Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to episode 59 of the podcast. Now, for the past dozen or so episodes, we've been looking at aspects of character, from character essence to picking the right characteristics, from goal and passion through to character interaction and using them for best effect. So in this episode, I want to gather up all the stuff that we've been looking at over those episodes and summarize the really important issues that we've covered in the series so far. But before I start, I want to say something about the next episode, episode 60. Now, one of the biggest challenges I've had as a writer is wrestling with the issue of writing a character in a sincere and authentic way who is completely different to me. And I mean that in terms of perhaps ethnicity, gender, cultural background. Now, I'm a white middle-class British guy, and all of those factors inform my worldview. So how then, for example, would I write the character of a 25-year-old woman from the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria? Should I even try? Or would it be better for me to simply stick to what I know? Well, the answer to that question from my guests next week, both of whom are very different from me, is yes, do try. Even though you might get it wrong, try and improve and try again. So if you're facing the challenge of writing the other, that is writing someone who is different from you in terms of gender or race or age or ability or sexuality, if you want to get serious about this issue and approach it with sincerity and respect, then check out the next episode of the Creative Writers Tool Belt. That's episode 60, when my guests will be Nissi Shawl, the African-American writer and journalist, and Daniel Jose Older, a Latino writer and composer. Now, I admit this stuff is a stretch for me, but as writers, we should want to be stretched. And if you're serious about authenticity in your work on this critical subject, then stay tuned. Episode 60 will cover this issue, and that's going to be out at the end of March. So back to this episode. I believe that to create and present characters effectively in a story, there are two critical aspects that we have to get right. First, we have to define the character essence so that the reader understands who the character is and they appear to be an authentic and distinct person to your reader. The second thing is we need to get right the goals and motivation and passion of the character. They shouldn't be just there sitting on the couch. They need to have purpose and drive so they're engaged in the story. So these are the two critical aspects in the development and integration of characters into your story. And there are a number of secondary but still important issues that flow from these. These are first, developing the character arc. Secondly, defining the interior life of the character. Thirdly, using to best effect character interactions. And finally, developing the characteristics and voice of the character. Now, all of these components of character are interdependent, so let's explore all of them in a little bit more detail with some examples. First of all, the core components, character essence and goal, motivation and passion. These are the two most important factors in the development of a character, and you can think of them in this way. The character essence has to be right for the character to function, and the goal, motivation and passion has to be right for the character to function within the story. And let's remind ourselves what we mean by character essence with a couple of examples. The essence of a character is that which allows the reader to understand who they are, how they think, how they would react, their personality, their way of reviewing the world. And we explored character essence in episode 46 and also defined some of the strategies for developing the essence of a character. And these were using the setting and context to present the character, showing the character through interaction with others, using characteristics to support and enhance essence, 
and thinking carefully about how to introduce the character because we know that first impressions count. And we looked at a number of examples of this in the episode and I want to just pick out two here just to remind you of what we're talking about. The first example is Hermione Granger from the Harry Potter series. We're introduced to Hermione as she is helping Neville to try to find his toad. J.K. Rowling tells us that she was already wearing her new Hogwarts robes and described her as having, and I quote, a bossy sort of voice with lots of bushy brown hair and rather large front teeth. In the scene in which we're introduced to her, she's on the train with the other students heading for Hogwarts. She sees Ron trying to do some magic and is curious, so she comes into the train carriage where Ron and Harry are sitting and she questions whether Ron's attempt to turn his rat yellow is a real spell. Now she's quite knowledgeable as well about who Harry Potter is and she's also been studying hard in advance of going to Hogwarts. She says, and again I quote, that she has learned all of the set books off by heart and having reeled all of this off, she's off with Neville again to find his toad. From that scene, we can deduce the following things. Hermione is quite bossy, but she's willing to help. She's very studious. She takes her studies seriously. She knows who Harry Potter is and a good many other things, probably. She's not a stunningly beautiful girl. She has brown, bushy hair and rather big teeth. She loves magic and already knows what house she wants to be in. She's confident, at least superficially so, and happy to take command of what she perceives to be the slightly hopeless boys around her. And note that that scene works particularly well because Ron, Harry and Neville are all male. The point here is that although this presents us with quite a disparate range of bits of information, we are beginning to get a coherent picture of who she is. As readers, we begin to understand the essence of her character. Let's have a look at another example, Sam Gamgee from The Lord of the Rings. The first time we get a good look at Sam is in the passage where Gandalf realises that his conversation with Frodo about the ring is being overheard. Gandalf reaches out of the window and pulls Sam in. This is how Tolkien describes that moment. There was a squawk and up came Sam Gamgee's curly head hauled by one ear. Well, well, bless my beard, said Gandalf. Sam Gamgee is it. Now what may you be doing? Lord bless you, Mr. Gandalf, sir, said Sam. Nothing, leastways I was just trimming the grass border under the window if you follow me. He picked up his shears and exhibited them as evidence. I don't, said Gandalf grimly. It is some time since I last heard the sound of your shears. How long have you been eavesdropping? Eavesdropping, sir? I don't follow you. Begging your pardon, there ain't no eaves at Bag End and that's a fact. Don't be a fool. What have you heard and why did you listen? Gandalf's eyes flashed and his brows stuck out like bristles. Oh, Mr. Frodo, sir, cried Sam, quaking. Don't let him hurt me, sir. Don't let him turn me into anything unnatural. My old dad would take on so. I meant no harm on my honour, sir. He won't hurt you, said Frodo, hardly able to keep from laughing, although he was himself rather startled and rather puzzled. He knows, as well as I do, that you mean no harm. But just you up and answer his question straight away. Well, sir, said Sam, dithering a little, I heard a deal that I didn't rightly understand about an enemy and rings and Mr Bilbo, sir, and dragons and a fiery mountain and an else, sir. I listened because I couldn't help myself, if you know what I mean. Lord bless me, sir, but I do love tales of that sort, and I believe them too, whatever Ted may say. Elves, sir, I would dearly love to see them again. Couldn't you take me to see the elves, sir, when you go? Suddenly Gandalf laughed. Come inside, he shouted, and putting out both his arms, he lifted the astonished Sam, shears, grass clippings and all, right through the window and stood him on the floor. 
Now in this passage, being discovered in the act of eavesdropping gives us a wonderful chance to see Sam's character. He's hauled up by one ear, Gandalf is immediately reassured that it's Sam, and Sam then blusters that he's not heard anything, he appeals to Frodo, and in his panic and it excitement he starts to talk about the elves. So what do we learn about Sam from all of this? Well for a start he's Frodo's gardener. He's inquisitive and doesn't like to be left out. He is really without guile. He's a simple soul. He's just simply listening and is curious. He is capable of wonder and vision. He wants to see the elves. He's an emotional character and he loves Frodo. And so again, we have a number of physical and character and social cues here, the amalgamation of which gives us a picture of the essence of Sam. Again, we have an emerging sense of who this character is, and it's no coincidence that the author in both of these examples uses first impressions to fix the character essence as firmly as possible in the reader's mind. So that's character essence. And the other fundamental component in character creation is this trio of factors, goal, motivation, and passion. Now, when I interviewed Jean Cavellas, the director of Odyssey Writing Workshop for the podcast in episode 29, she said that the biggest problem she encountered with people who came to the workshop was that they did not give their characters a goal. Now, as creative writers, I think we can be tempted to create brooding and complex characters, masterpieces of our imagination. The problem is these wonderful people can be slightly ill-defined from the reader's point of view and they can often seem indifferent to what's going on in the story. They don't have the necessary goals, motivation and passion to be of use to you as a writer. So how can you avoid this problem? First of all, we need to follow Jean's advice. We must give our characters a goal and the goal is something specific. It might be very challenging, but it's a specific thing that the character will have to either succeed or fail at. Next, there's the motive, and the motive is the reason why the character goes after the goal. It's the reason why achieving the goal is so important. And finally behind that, we have the character's passion. Now, this is a more subjective, deeper aspect, something that drives the character, part of their worldview, part of their own moral compass. In episode 47, we looked at a couple of examples of goal, motivation, and passion. First, from the Harry Potter series, we had Severus Snape. Now, Severus's goal is the defeat of Lord Voldemort. His motive is revenge, driven by his passion for the woman he loved, Harry's mother, Lily. With a goal, a motive and a passion, Snape is turned from being just a double agent of Dumbledore, who has a bit of a grumpy attitude, into a complex and energetic and enigmatic character. If we go to the Lord of the Rings again for another example, if we think about Frodo, his goal, once the story gets going, is simply to destroy the ring. His motive for doing so is that this will stop Sauron, his enemy, and the passion that drives him is the worldview and the moral compass that he has. His love for the Shire, his sense of what is right and wrong, his desire and passion for the freedoms and liberties that he and his fellow hobbits enjoy. His loyalty to his friends is also part of his passion, now, if we take these three aspects, the one that is nearest to the core of the personality is passion. It's the nearest to the sense of who the character is. It's the one thing that is least likely to change during the story. Whereas the one thing that is most likely to change is the goal. In your story, your characters can have a major goal or they can switch from one goal to another. They might have a series of minor goals that lead to a major achievement. Character goals can change and character motivations can also change, but they are more difficult to switch and you shouldn't switch them too many times because this will make the character seem shallow and what is worse, it might confuse the reader and give them a reason to disengage from the story. 
The most difficult thing to change, of course, is the character's passion, because passion is part of who they are, and characters, like real people, should not change dramatically and frequently. If you want to explore this further, go back to episode 47 of the podcast, where we look at a number of examples of characters with different goals, motivations and passions, and how they change and develop during the story. So those are the two fundamental components of the development of character, character essence and goal, motivation and passion. Let's have a look at some of the secondary components that I mentioned, and just to remind you, they were the character arc, defining the interior life of the character, how characters interact with each other, and characteristics and voice. Let's look at character arc first of all. Now the character arc is important because it reflects a universal truth, and that truth is that human beings change. Now, because this happens in real life, it should happen with characters and especially the protagonist, but not just the protagonist. The antagonist can change too, as well as supporting characters. In episode 51, we looked at a range of examples of characters who change over the course of the story. We looked, for example, at Frodo and Aragorn from The Lord of the Rings. We looked at Katniss from The Hunger Games, Elizabeth Bennet from Pride and Prejudice, and Harry Potter from the Harry Potter series. And in that episode, we explored some essential factors. And these are some of those highlights. First, the character arc is a manifestation of the character essence. And just as that essence has to be believable and authentic, so as the writer, I have to ask myself the question, is the journey that I'm putting this character through believable and authentic? Do I believe in it? Is it moving at the right pace? Is the character reacting in the right way? The point is, if as the writer, I don't believe in the way the character is changing, then it's certain that the reader won't believe it either. Second thing, on the subject of the pace of change, the character arc has to move with the narrative arc of the story. And if you change your character to fit the plot, and especially if you think your character has to do something which at the start of the story would have been uncharacteristic for them, you have to prepare and foreshadow this. And you'll have to do that over time during the course of the whole story. You can't ram all of this internal journey, all of that change into the last bit of the story. It will seem unrealistic to the reader. So let the character arc travel with the narrative arc. Next up, is the protagonist human enough? Are they suffering enough? Now, this might seem a bit like an odd question, but what I mean is that the external shocks that impact on a character and the internal consequences that happen for them are expensive in terms of emotions and sometimes in terms of relationships. Readers need to see these changes cost the character something. To give you an example, when we saw the impact externally and internally on Frodo and Sam in The Lord of the Rings of traveling all the way to the cracks of doom, we saw that there was a cost. We saw that process happen over time and it impacted those characters. And that's believable and that's authentic. That's what we would expect. And it doesn't really matter what the internal journey of your character is. It could be a journey to anger or to vengeance or forgiveness. It could be a change of moral viewpoint. It could be a change of some other aspect of their worldview. But whatever it is, it has to have a context. It has to be believable and it will come at some kind of cost. Finally, do the external and internal changes to the character complement each other? Just as the character arc needs to be in tandem with the narrative arc of the story, so the internal and external character arcs need to be in tandem with each other as well. Now, what I mean by this is that the relationship between how external events and activities impact on the character needs to match up with the way that person changes and matures and becomes resolute or perhaps even despairs. These things should complement each other. 
If you want to look at this in a little bit more detail, you can go and check out episode 51 of the podcast. Next, we have the interior life of the character. And I think Beth Hill, in her blog, theeditorsblog.net, sums this up just about as well as anybody can. This is what she says. Inner dialogue and thought reveal truth. They reveal darkness. They reveal hope or dreams or resignation. They reveal emotions or beliefs too painful to be shared with other characters. They reveal heart. They reveal despair of the soul. They reveal strength of spirit. The interior life of your character is a wonderful, revealing, mysterious, dark place. And you can take your reader right into that place. And the issues to remember with the interior life of your character are these. First, don't shy away from using the interior thoughts of your character in the story. They can be effective in showing intent, mood, insights into the character themselves and plot elements if you use them properly. Secondly, as you present the thoughts of your character, keep them sharp and don't let them slow the narrative down. Use those interior thoughts to drive the plot or enrich character. Keep the pace going. Third, be honest with your interior comments. Use them to be truthful. Fourthly, in terms of presentation, never use quotation marks for these interior thoughts. There are different ways to present them and I talk about these in more detail in the podcast. But once you've decided on your approach of presentation of these thoughts, stick to it. Next, character interaction. In episode 55, we looked at character interaction. This is the dynamic of a character engaging with other characters. If it's done well, it can enhance the plot and help to distinguish and enhance the characters involved. I used examples, again, from Harry Potter and the Hunger Games and my own short story, Traveler's Blues, as well as Les Liaisons Dangereuses, to give some examples of this. And in that episode, we looked at five key aspects of character interaction. First up, although conversation and dialogue is the main medium in character interaction, remember to exploit the full range of senses to give your character interaction extra bite. And incidentally, the sense of smell is a very powerful tool, both in real life and in story. Try and get it into the character interactions that you have. Secondly, intimate modes of communication sharpen character. Remote ones can be good for story development and can also serve well if you want to give your characters an omniscient and powerful feel over the environment and other characters. Third, if you want to develop your characters, think about developing two or more of them at a time. Have those characters talk to each other, bump off each other, sharpen each other up, especially earlier on in your story when you want to make a very clear impression and develop that all-important character essence. Perhaps you can make your characters argue, you can make them exasperated with each other, you can make them attracted to each other. Fourthly, use your imagination. Make the characters interact with each other in unusual ways. Maybe one character plays a trick on another one. Maybe they tell a joke. Maybe they send a gift. So it doesn't just have to be about two or more people talking to each other. And whilst these things can move the plot along, they'll also tell the reader something important about the characters involved. Fifth point, use character markers and character interaction to develop character and enrich your work. The scent of a person, the colour of their eyes, the tone of voice, all of these things give depth and interest to the characters and to your story. Finally, we'd come to characteristics and voice. And in episode 49 of the podcast, we looked at how the way we present a character from clothing to accent, social class to gender, hobbies to ethnicity and sexual orientation, all of these things should come together to produce and complement the coherent character. 
So these are the secondary characteristics that you need to bear in mind. Now the one major consideration which I haven't covered, but which we will explore in the next episode, is the challenge of writing the other. That is writing the character who is not you in terms of age or gender or race or ability or sexuality. Doing this with authenticity and respect is a very significant challenge for the writer. So check out episode 60 to get a view on how to approach that issue. So we've covered an awful lot of material in this summary. And if some of it has left you a little bit confused, I'd encourage you to go back and check out the various different episodes where I covered these different aspects. But to sum up for today, there are two core components of character in your story. And these are, one, the character essence, defining who the character is, what they're like, how they would react, what their core is all about. And secondly, the goal and motivation and passion, which is critical for their engagement in the story. These two primary components are complemented and supported by four others, and they are developing the character art properly, defining the interior life of the character, using character interaction to best effect, and then defining characteristics and voice for your character. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found all of that useful. Today I have quoted from Beth Hill's blog, The Editor's Blog, at www.theeditorsblog.net. The book Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling, published by Bloomsbury. And The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, published by HarperCollins. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with that interview with Nisi Shaw and Daniel Jose Older, talking about how we should write the other. For now, I'll get some notes up on Pinterest for this episode. Go to pinterest.com and look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt. We have a group on Goodreads. Please go there and look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt as well. Leave a comment and get involved in the conversation there. You can go to the website. It's www.andrewjchamberlain.com. Find out what I'm up to. Drop me a line. I love to hear about the projects that listeners are working on. So that's it for this episode. Until next time, as ever, thank you for listening and goodbye. (music) 